welcome to the Townsend Institute podcast series, Tips, a show produced by the Townsend Institute at Concordia University, Irvine. This podcast provides tips into leadership, coaching, and counseling topics aimed at helping listeners grow in both their personal and professional lives. I'm Dr. John Townsend, psychologist, organizational consultant, and author of over 30 books, including the New York Times bestselling Boundaries series. I'm also the founder of the Townsend Institute, and I'm excited to introduce your podcast hosts, Townsend Institute Program Directors, Dr. Ashley Andrew and Dr. Gilbert Fugit. Dr. Anita Phillips, the newest core faculty member of the counseling program at Concordia Irvine, joins us on today's episode. Listen in as she shares with us her approach to addressing the intersections of mental health, spirituality, and culture. That's right, Gilbert. As a counselor, author, notable speaker, and even her own podcast host, Anita shares with us today the need for paradigm shifting and even perhaps some flipping of some tables <laughs> to better understand, counsel, lead, and ultimately love others. We are all in for a treat, so let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Townsend Institute podcast series. We are joined here in studio by Dr. Anita Phillips, the newest core faculty member in yes. our counseling programs here at Concordia University. Ooh. Welcome, Anita. Welcome hey, to the podcast. Everybody. Thank you so much for having me. And I am just loving being the shiny new penny. <laughs> On deck. <laughs> that is true. It's kind of like, yeah, everybody's like, oh, got to meet Dr. Anita Phillips. This is fantastic. Yes. Yes. Well, we, we are excited. We're excited not just to have you on the podcast here today, but of course, again, to have you as one of the newest members of our faculty and staff. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to end up here at Concordia Irvine. Oh, goodness. Well, I was born in 1973 in a small town. <laughs> no, I, um, I have always loved academia. When I was a kid, my career aspiration was professor. I love to teach and to learn and to read and to write. And so I always wanted to teach. I've been a professor off and on since 2010 and stepped away in 2019 because God was moving me into a different sphere of influence to really bring the faith and mental health conversation to the forefront. And of course, by divine providence, the Holy Spirit knew what was to come. And in 2020, there was just a boom of so many difficult things. And I believe it drove the faith community into connection with professional mental health in a way that hadn't happened before. It was an uneasy truce, but people were desperate because people were in a new level of pain. And so I can see the providence of God that I was in kind of out in the general public, not inside a classroom at that time, and had already been building momentum in this conversation about faith and mental health. And so there I stayed, and I've been really blessed to contribute to that conversation in a way that I believe has been substantive. And But I miss teaching. Mm -hmm. And so in 2022, I was invited to come and speak to the Townsend Institute as a fellow. Right. And I was really impressed with the folks that I met here at the Townsend Institute. So last fall, when I decided I really want to teach again, and I believe God's opening the door, making space enough in my life for that. I only looked at two possibilities, and Townsend was one of them. And thankful to Dr. Donna Washburn for making a position available to me that would fit in with my uh, very busy, non-traditional professor life. Well, we're oh. glad to have you. <laughs> well, and and speaking of that, you like to write a little bit too, Anita. And so you've written a book, The Garden Within. 
What motivated you to write that book? What's it about? Uh, well, the, it's called The Garden Within. The subtitle is Where the War with Your Emotions Ends and Your Most Powerful Life Begins. So I think that tells people a little bit more about what's going on here. The Garden Within is a presentation of a biblically rooted model of well-being. Mm. It is the response to our attempts to integrate secular psychological theories with our understanding of scripture. So instead of integrating, I decided to step into what I call translating. How does what I, my Bible says translate to the questions that professional mental health is asking? Mm. And that's very different from integration. I grew up in a very um, biblically rooted church, church, church house. I'm a you know third generation pastor's kid. Both my parents are in ministry. And it was always about what does the Bible say, but not in terms of rules and regulations. Yes, there was that. We knew what, what sin was and where the boundaries were in our relationship with God. But also, what does the Bible say that helps us understand our everyday lives? Mm -hmm. And so I was raised to think that way. I was raised to wonder that way. And I when I became a therapist, one of the things I wanted to be able to do was say, what theoretical perspectives can the Bible inform? And in the field, the answer was none. There were many who said that the Bible's not for that. But I believe that the Bible is for everything. And so God was gracious enough to show me some answers about how we're made. Where do our emotions come from? Where do our, what, what role does our mind play? What role does our body play? How does our spirit mix with all of that? And the answer that I received was that we were designed as gardens. The Bible talks so much about gardens and so much about trees and compares us to plants from front to back. Genesis to Revelation, we are compared to plants. The first command given, the created first created man was be fruitful. The first time God even spoke to a human, it was in plant language. And so we've seen that, but we've treated it as a metaphor that we can take or leave. But in fact, God was giving us a lesson plan for understanding our emotional life, our mental life, our biological life, and our spiritual life. And so I took God seriously <laughs> and uh, went down the rabbit hole. And turns out there's a garden within us. There's a garden within us. And the soil of that garden is your heart. Your emotional well-being matters more than any other part of you. Because what is planted there will determine what grows in the garden. And the seeds of God's word are also planted there. And so it really matters what's going on in your emotional space. Wow, that's such beautiful imagery. I love that just the way that you explain that. You obviously are a fit here for our institute for a variety of reasons, but just that whole metaphor you shared with us now falls in line so much with our Townsend model, where mm -hmm. we talk about professional and personal growth. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the image of the tree and we talk about the roots and the soil and how those are the things that need tending to yeah. if they're ever going to produce the fruits. Yeah, definitely. As I was introduced to the Townsend model, it definitely brought a smile to my face. I can definitely see the parallels, even with the soil, which is where I spend most of my time focusing. Dr. Townsend talks about grace, truth, time, and, and time being yeah. under there. And that, to me, directly translates to faith, hope, and love, which are the three elements that I talk about in the soil. Grace is a love act. Mm -hmm. Truth. We have faith in what we believe to be true mm. and hope keeps us moving over time. And so it is faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is the nutrient in the soil. Love is what makes our soil nutrient rich. Faith is the air that flows through. Hope is the water. 
There's no pleasurable emotion that we experience in life that doesn't involve hope. Because if you are hopeless, you are not joyful. Mm. If you are hopeless, you are not at peace. If you're hopeless, you're not happy. And so hope is that fundamental experience that we must have. It's the water in the garden. Without that, every other pleasurable emotion that we seek to experience, love, joy, kindness, peace, we can't. Nothing happens without hope. Nothing happens in the garden without water. <laughs> and, and that's all, that's going to be within the book, right? Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And can, when can we get this book? You can get the book right now. You can pre-order it anywhere you buy books. And please do pre-order it. It will be out on September 19th. Um, but if you pre-order it, you may have the opportunity to get some free downloads. You can jump into some online seminars with me about the book where we'll go on a deep dive together. So I really hope people will go ahead and pre-order it. If you pre-order it, you get access to the book immediately. Oh, wow. And you won't have to wait until it comes out. You can just go to my website, put in your name, email address, and order number, and you'll get an email giving you directions on how to download the book so you can start reading it before anybody else. Oh, there you go. You can be like in the club. There you go. You can get going on your garden within. There's work to do. <laughs> That is so great. That is great. Well, thank you for sharing that with our listeners today. I know a lot are going to want to want to tune in and pre-order that. Now, you talk about pouring into this book that many of us are going to be able to read after it comes out. Um, what are some other ways that you're going to pour in to your students then oh, as a professor? Man. What are you I most excited about being back in the classroom? <laughs> I'm most excited about disrupting the way that people are used to thinking. Oh, I like this. That we got we to dig more into yeah. that. That's my specialty. I am a table flipper. That is my specialty because, especially in the counseling field, but anytime we're working with people, there are always areas of persistent problems, mm -hmm. things that we just have not been able to solve. And I believe when something has been persistently problematic, we are unlikely conceptualizing it correctly. And so usually we need to just knock everything off the table and question all of our assumptions and start from scratch. What have we failed to see, hear, experience, understand about this phenomena that allows it to persist? Mm -hmm. Don't just throw your hands up and be like, hey, there's always going to be problems. Yeah, but we can start anew. And mm -hmm. so I'm most looking forward to how much I enjoy shaking up the way that people have been thinking about things. I kind of like this nickname. I think it could stick. Dr. Anita Table Flipper <laughs> Phillips. Phillips. Hey. This is fun. I mean, that, that could uh, really roll off the tongue here. So, um, so you, you can you help us connect more on the paradigm shifting insights where you talk about intersection of mental health, spirituality, and culture. Absolutely. So a paradigm is the framework through which we understand something. So when I talk about a paradigm shift, I'm saying, let's change the framework through which we understand things. Let's flip the table. Let's flip, flip the, the table. table. <laughs> Mental health, faith, and culture have traditionally been studied in silos, and occasionally people connect on a similar topic. But I am asserting that they are all actually rooted in the same soil. And so in order to understand one, you have to pay attention to the other. And spirituality really is a dimension of worldview. Religion is something else. And so just as Christians, we 
are all familiar with how different people groups express their Christian faith. You can go to a church on a Sunday morning that is a Korean, traditional Korean church, and you're going to hear music with a certain sound, and you're going to see worship in a certain style, and you're going to hear sermons that focus on certain things. And if you go to a Southern Baptist church in Alabama on a Sunday morning, those three things are going to be different there. And if you go to a traditional Black church like I was raised in, there's going to be some differences in how our faith is is being expressed. Spirituality is how I define spirituality is the portion of our worldview that is responsible for that expression. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a people group, because Christianity is a revealed religion, it's not indigenous to any group. And so when we accept Jesus as our savior, when a people group comes to Jesus, they put on Christ, but Christ hangs on their shape the way that they are shaped. Just like if I had on an outfit and Gil had on the same outfit. <laughs> which, which that's a might, whole another podcast. That's a whole another podcast. That might but, be a little disturbing, but. <laughs> but Ashley as well. Ashley has a, a beautiful diminutive frame compared to mine. And so if we were wearing the same outfit, it would hang differently on us because of our frame. Spirituality is a dimension of the worldview that frames a people group. And so if they have had a tradition of God as friend. Then on a Sunday morning, they're more likely to connect to God, our God in heaven, as friend. If their history has had God as um, warrior, they are more likely to connect to the Christian God as warrior. And so spirituality is what are my beliefs about the gods, the purpose of life, morality, um, life after death, these general topics. Spiritually, we have ideas about that, and then we flesh it out in our religious language. And so that's why so many people groups' expression of Christianity looks very different, because they're fleshing out their spiritual values in the Christian space. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, it really does, because you think about, you know, Holy Spirit works faith, and, and but it just expresses in so many Different ways. Because, yeah. And, and even I'm thinking what I grew up in my own hometown, like uh, different churches, they could be down the street and they're your friends and things and, go, and they express it very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's amazing how yeah. God makes us all uh, different. But and, Well, and our, just our f- emotions. Yes. How yeah. emotions come out differently right. for different people based on, you know, whether it's culture, whether it's your age, whether it's just how you're feeling in the day, right? Yeah. How we express sadness and grief and guilt. And so mm-hmm. how is our, our faith yeah. Absolutely. Right. It's going to be one of the same. And our emotional lives, that is the common ground where mental health, faith, and culture are rooted. Mm-hmm. We know that different cultural groups have different um, emotional expressions and also have different rules and beliefs about what emotions can be expressed, when, and how intensely, and for how long, and in what way. And so culture is shaped by, at core, the emotional beliefs of that group. Our mental health is shaped by our emotional well-being and what we believe about that, but our faith is also because emotion is an active ingredient in your spiritual life. Mm -hmm. It's an active Mm -hmm. ingredient. It's not something to be kept separate. Who had that experience (laughs) emotion-free? If you reflect on that moment, Mm -hmm. you were moved. Your heart was moved, whether it was pain you wanted freedom from or peace you wanted to access or forgiveness you wanted to experience. It was an emotional move. Absolutely. 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 Well, so, so many of our listeners that are hopefully tuning into this, some of them might actually be your students, former students, maybe even potential students hey. of our institute. We also have a lot of church workers as well who, you know, do some lay counseling with members of their church. So 
if they're, say, face-to-face or across a table like we are here today with someone that is from that different walk, is from a different culture, and they're trying to figure out, how do I connect? Mm-hmm. Right? What do I do? What, what tips do you have or recommendation for how to make that take that first step? Yeah, listen more for what you can learn about how people are feeling rather than trying to get data and information from them. There's certain body language that will tell you how a person is feeling, whether they're comfortable or whether they're nervous. If they seem nervous, that's a form of fear. Mm -hmm. When we are afraid, we need to feel safe. Emotions indicate an unmet need. So if someone is feeling nervous, anxious, afraid, they need to feel safe. How can I help you feel safer? If they seem agitated, frustrated, anger, those are, oops, if they feel agitated, frustrated, anger, those are forms of anger. When we are feeling forms of anger, there's usually some value that we need to experience, that we feel like someone's not valuing something that's important to us. And when we are um, sad, we need connection. That says I'm, I need connection. And so every time we're experiencing emotions that we consider to be painful, I don't use the word negative. There are no negative emotions, but some are painful. It is the soil telling us that it needs something. Your heart is the soil of your life. And when it says it needs something, give it. (laughs) And if someone else's soil is asking for something, give it. We've never gotten frustrated with a houseplant for having dry soil. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're, are you dry again? (laughs) Like never has happened. You're like, oh man, let me water this. And you expect to water it again in the future because that's the nature of soil. So in those moments, try and discern how someone is feeling and see what ways you can water them with safety, with value, and with connection. That's the most important thing. Now, I missed it. What, what did you say about fear? You were talking about that. What is that? that connect- the emotion of fear is an indicator that we need to feel safe. When you feel safe. You yeah. know, and yeah. Christians really struggle with this one yeah. because yeah. they almost feel like fear is a sin, mm. you know, because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound, you know, and it's just like, slow down. First of all, we're talking about the emotion of fear. <laughs> And no one ever quotes that scripture when someone's being chased by a bear. (laughs) No one's ever like, you ran from that mountain lion. You should have rebuked that spirit of fear. No one ever says no one ever. The only time we say that is when we fear the fear. Mm. When we don't want to be afraid of relationship, of rejection, of failing a test, of not being admitted to a program. Only when we're having relational experiences of fear do we trot that scripture out. So we need to pay attention to that, right? Because they were doing something we call it spiritual bypassing. When you try to bypass your emotional pain with spiritual principles, that's what we call it, spiritual bypassing. And it's very unhealthy. Spiritual bypass. Spiritual bypassing. I've learned something today already. Very unhealthy because Christians do that all the time. Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, that's fine, but you're still sad. Mm -hmm. The Bible says do not be anxious, but you are, but you are. And so how do we embrace our emotional space while we yet maintain our faith? And I will say that all you have to do is follow the example of Jesus. Jesus was intensely emotional Mm -hmm. and he expressed his emotions in public. Verbally and physically, he cried, he flipped tables, he begged God in Gethsemane to cut him a break. That was an emotional appeal. The Bible says with loud crying, strong crying and tears, he sought the one that can save him from death. Do you know what emotional scene that was? Yeah. It was not, oh, father. If you don't mind, (laughs) it was loud crying, tears, begging him to save him from death. These were emotional displays. And not only do I never see Jesus repent, 
He did not repent for crying at the tomb of Lazarus. He did not repent for flipping tables. He does not repent in Gethsemane. He never repented for his emotional expressions. Not only did he never repent, which means no emotion is a sin. Let that rest. No emotion is a sin. Not only did he not repent, but every time Jesus had an intense emotional display, it was, fa- it was followed by an intense display of power. He cried at Lazarus's tomb and then raised him from the dead. He flipped those tables and then allowed people into the temple and healed their bodies. He cried out in Gethsemane in absolute terror and brokenness and then walked down and faced the soldiers who came to get him, said, I am he, and knocked them off their feet with his voice. Five minutes ago, he was begging God for a break. Not only was Jesus intensely emotional, but his emotion expression was always followed by a spiritually powerful display. And so I think that Christians are so worried about having a breakdown that they're not getting their breakthrough. Mm. That just on the other side of your tears might be the spiritual power that you're seeking. And that's, uh, that really kind of sparked something here. I said, so I saw a quote that said from you, how was your work guided by one simple idea? Most things that seem complicated are actually just hard. Yeah. I mean, we get real complicated talking about emotions, right? Well, I know, but you're not supposed to feel that way. And I'm trying to figure out the right thing to do. And I can't let them control me. And you're having all these things. And Jesus responded to his emotions in a very simple way. He expressed them. He experienced them and expressed them. Now that's hard. That's harder than spending three hours in the middle of the night Googling an answer instead of just sitting with the fact that you're anxious and fearful. It's much harder to sit with the pain than it is to complicate it and escape it and circle around it. So that's what I mean. Most things are not actually complicated. They're just hard. Oh, I, I hear what you're saying. You see what I mean? Uh, and and um, sometimes church people can be really good about trying to intellectualize their way out of an emotion. Yes. Yes. And they love to study emotional intelligence, which is a massive effort to intellectualize emotion, but leaves no one experiencing their emotion. Mm. It's not a lot. So many things aren't complicated. Well, I need to look at this 27 ways. There are no 27 ways ways around going through something that's going to feel hard. Mm. Embrace the hard. It's the shortest route from A to Z, I promise. Embrace the hard. Embrace, Embrace the, the hard. hard. I like that. Uh, you shared you shared so much, and, and you're here on our podcast being such a generous guest for us here today. But we also know you're not new to podcasting. I am not new. So tell us a little bit about your podcast and uh, how that came to be. So I started podcasting in 2020. In 2017, I didn't even know what a podcast was. Yeah, um, <laughs> people started saying, you should do a podcast. So I finally did jump into it in 2020. It started um, with me doing a podcast takeover for Sarah Jakes Roberts, Woman Evolve podcast. Mm-hmm, yes. And it went pretty well. So Woman Evolve opened up a space for me to do a podcast called In the Light with Dr. Anita. And we carry on conversations like this at the intersection of faith, mental health, and culture. And we might be talking about one of those three one week or all three another week. And so I spend time there reflecting on mental health and illness, emotional well-being, the things that are happening in the world. What does that mean for us as Christians? Most of all, more than anything, what does it mean to be well? Mm. And how do we continue to pursue that? Because so many people are on healing journeys and the journey has no destination. Because there's no definition of wellness. That journey is really about just getting out of pain. But is being free from pain the definition of well-being? And I don't think that it is. And so we talk a lot about what it means to be well. Well, Anita, we're kind of coming to the end here today. And one thing we always ask, uh, you know, for our listeners here, if you could leave our listeners with one takeaway, one tip 
What would that be for them? Be like Jesus. Feel all your feelings Mm. and hold all your faith at the same time. Holding in, repressing, quote unquote, managing, doing anything you can to put space between you and emotional pain. Because nobody nobody holds in, escapes joy. Nobody wants to escape that. But putting that kind of space between you and your emotional pain is undermining your physical health because it's overlapped with so many disorders, migraines, lower back pain, insomnia, things that really hurt our bodies, high blood pressure, diabetes, big overlaps with unexpressed painful emotions. So it's undermining your physical health. It's undermining your mental health because the mind is the plant in the garden. The soil is the heart and it is hard for the plant to be healthier than the soil. And finally, you are undermining your spiritual power. Your salvation is intact. But the spiritual quality of the spiritual life you want to lead is compromised when we don't express our emotions, even when they're painful. Jesus did it every time. He always focused on the heart. So I want you to just be like Jesus, but maybe in a way you haven't thought of before. Be like Jesus. I don't think we can end the podcast any better way. So. I think so. I, wow. I love it. And I can't wait for the book to come out. Yes. yes well, please. everyone, you heard it here. We've got Dr. Anita. Check out her book coming out mid-September, The Garden Within. Past episodes are available online of the In the Light podcast. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can catch her on staff now here hey, in the Townsend Institute at Concordia Irvine. You can take a class from Dr. Anita there Phillips. There you go. Come uh-huh. on and join the counseling program. We need the help out here. We need the help. <laughs> come on over. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Anita. And welcome again to Concordia. Thanks. Special thanks to Gadessa Labawa, CY alumni, for the Tips Podcast Music. If you enjoy the Townsend Institute podcast series, head to our website, cuy.edu slash Townsend, to find out more about the certificates or bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degrees offered through Concordia University, Irvine. With programs in organizational psychology, mental health counseling, executive coaching consulting, and organizational leadership, we have a variety of faith-based programs dedicated to helping you fulfill your academic and professional goals, all while further developing your competence and character. Again, that's cui.edu slash Townsend.